seeing life as an adventure allows you to be very playful with the things that you want to get. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Goals Do Come True with me, Doug Bennett. Today, I am joined by Nikki Marshall. She is absolutely fabulous. We met at a conference, hit it off right away. She's got some amazing tales to tell. She's an author, a speaker, a director of Discover Your Bounce Group, and they specialize in well-being and book publishing. So we'll touch on that, find out what that's all about. She's written her own book. Well, probably more than one, I think. But one is a very, very special tale of some trials and tribulations she went through earlier on in her life. And it's an amazing story. So I'm not going to steal her thunder in that respect. I'm going to hand over to Nikki. Nikki, thank you very much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Tell us about yourself and your relationship with Coast Guards. Oh, that sounds a little bit intriguing, doesn't it? Yeah. Thanks, Doug. It was uh, great to meet. Gosh, a few months ago now. But yes, I was rescued by the Coast Guard. So big shout out to the RNLI and the Coast Guard and everything they do. So 2010, I had started a new business. It had been on my vision board. It had been my goal to have this business. This was my dream business. And we were 12 weeks in. I'd been working 80 to 90 hours a week. I'd been sleeping about four hours a night, not really eating much except coffee and cake because we had a, it was a coffee shop with a holistic center, but it was, the focus was well-being. So the irony is not lost on me when I, when I am telling this story, <laughs> as Doug will know, because he very kindly read my book. And yes, we'd gone away for a long weekend to relax, to have some fun, to chill out. So we went scuba diving, which had been my husband and I's hobby for years. He was an instructor. I was an assistant instructor, both qualified to 50 meters or whatever. So very well capable of doing what we were doing that weekend. But it seemed that my body wasn't. I think I was overwhelmed, tired, stressed. I think my blood pressure had gone up. My cholesterol had certainly gone up and I hadn't noticed that. So after two dives, I became very unwell. Long story short, we had a GP on the dive with us who rang Diver Diseases Research Centre down in Plymouth, the Coast Guard just happened to arrive. That wasn't planned in any way. They just happened to see people on the quay and decided to come say hi. So someone upstairs was very much looking after me that day, I think. Rescued by Coast Guard, checked out by Harbour Master, sent immediately by ambulance to hospital because they thought I'd punctured my lung, which I hadn't, thankfully. That was a bit of good news. But instead sent me to the Diver Diseases Research Centre and they diagnosed a muscular skeletal. And so I had the bends in my lungs, my shoulder and my brain. And what I didn't know at the time was that cerebral bend had caused a stroke. Ooh. There we go. That's a, a bit of a battering, wasn't it? So yeah, the good news that the uh, Coast Guard was there because so many other little different things could have happened as a result of that. But you know, our greater power, whoever that may be, was looking after you. Definitely, because the thing with the bends is you need oxygen very quickly to stop any of the symptoms getting worse. And at the DDRC, I had 14 hours of recompression, but the oxygen in the ambulance on the way definitely helped my condition. So yes, thank goodness the Coast Guard was there because we had dive boats with us, but they were very 
short kind of little ribs and I had breathing problems, couldn't breathe if I bent forward. So um, the journey would have been a lot worse if I, if we hadn't had Coast Guards there. So, so yes, hooray for them. <laughs> I, I have read your book and it is, you know, it's an inspiring book and a good read and we'll make sure that there's a link to it in, in the show notes. But you've moved on past that because, you know, a stroke and the other aspects of the health really battered you a bit on things and sort of made you redefine your life, I think. So you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, because at the time I... After the bends, I couldn't use my arm. I couldn't lift anything with my left arm. Had no feeling in my left hand. Couldn't feel my left leg. So I could stand on it, but I didn't know that it was holding my weight. So from a confidence perspective and, you know, walking across busy roads and things like that, I had a real, had the mind monkeys going on, you know, you're going to fall, you're going to trip. My confidence was affected. My speech, my memory was affected. So it was quite, you know, it was quite a severe thing. And there was a point just after the diagnosis where I just pulled the curtains, shut the blinds sat on the floor and said, I'm done. You know, I'm absolutely done. I'm a bit stubborn. To be honest, Doug, I couldn't sit there for long. After two days, I was like, hang on a minute. So I kind of realised that all that well-being, I've got A-levels in anatomy and physiology. I've got a reflexology qualification. I know the body heals itself. So I had to become my best student, got myself fit and well. I say that, but it did. it was a three-year journey. It didn't just happen overnight. And I had a personal trainer who was an ex-Marine. Never do that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> just, that's the part. Like, just don't do that. There are personal trainers out there that smile. You know, that's the one you want. But yeah, so closed the coffee shop, sold it after two and a half years. So once I felt fit and well, realized that actually, although it had been my goal, it hadn't delivered the, some of the key things that were important to me. Like I wasn't able to travel the way I love, you know, we've been talking about traveling. I wasn't able to travel. It was a six day a week premises job. And some of the things that I had to do took me away from mentoring and, and helping people with their health and well-being. So, so although it was the, the dream that I'd pinned my hopes on, it wasn't delivering sort of three years later. So that's when Discover Your Bounce was born because people kept saying to me, you look really bouncy, you look like Tigger. And I kept saying, yeah, I think I find my, I find my bounce, I've got my bounce back. And then one day I thought, discover your bounce. What a good name for a business, you know, because it does Absolutely. answer, you know, people ask that question. Oh, that's interesting. What What do you do then? <laughs> that's a good thing. But I think you had this goal and that's so very often the case, you know, we go after a goal and the important thing was that you mentioned there, you know, 60, 80 hours a week, it was taking you away from the other things that you were doing uh, or wanted to do. You know, I know the scuba diving was a big thing in your life. And obviously that was affected by this this situation, the medical situation. But sometimes, you know, when you hit the goal, what do they say? The ladder of success, you've got to make sure it's leaning against the right wall as you're climbing it. And there's no harm in climbing it, finding it's on the wrong wall, coming back down and finding a different wall to go for. So, you know, there's no harm. It's not a failure. It's never a failure, that sort of thing, if you find that, you know, the goal that you've been spending all of the hours doing, all of the time doing, and it happens to be the wrong thing, it's not the end of the world. No. And it's funny, I think you take elements from everything you do in your life. You know, I started off working in a bank and trained to be an accountant, but there was a lot of customer service involved in that. And so when I then went into the, the coffee shop and wellbeing centre, you know, customer service is a, a massive part. And within Discover Your Bounce, we always look at the experience of that customer. So 
you know, all these elements and running what I called it, I called it my grown up business because we have premises, you know, to get, you know, insurance and do all your food hygiene and all that kind of stuff. But it, it grows you as a person and it gives you that confidence to say, well, I can run, you know, a grown up business. So you never lose anything. So even if you do find it was the wrong wall, you know, I've still got friends from back then. I've still got customers from then. I learned so much. I learned about branding and social media and there were, there were so many elements that you then take with you. So when you do find the right wall, you, you can put things together quickly because you've already done that and, and got that experience. So, yeah. so yeah, you you know, you don't lose anything, do you? No, I mean, and the other thing is that you can lose things. You can lose things that you've tried that don't work. Yes, but it's it, it's not a lamenting that you know the lamenting the thing that you you haven't got anymore. It's it's taking the elements that you do want, and then as you said, yeah, going. No, I really don't want that six days a week in the premises. That just doesn't suit. It suits some personalities. It doesn't suit mine. <laughs> no. Now you're back. Am I right? Scuba diving. Yes. After the three years, part of the the kind of recovery was getting my dive medical back. So the consultant said that I wouldn't ever make a full recovery. How I was in 18 months is how I'd be forever. I thought forever was quite a strong word and that I would never dive again. Those were his words. But as I said, stubborn. (laughs) And I remember, you know, through a lot of my anatomy and physiology, the, the, the cells in your body renew. Every seven years, we are a different person because every cell regenerates. Our eyes regenerate every two hours. It's just that the new cells have the memory of the old cells. That's why we stay short-sighted. There is actually, you know, I have improved my eyesight over the years as well by just repeating, I have perfect vision every five minutes. Not quite five minutes, but yeah, so the cells renew. So I knew that. So I was like, I am going to dive again. You know, my husband just went, cool. Didn't, you know, none of us knew how, but yeah, personal trainer, reducing my blood pressure, reducing my cholesterol, less wine. Now it's no wine, but at the time it was just a bit less wine, less chocolate, more health, more, you know, more rest and and all that kind of thing. So it was just about finding out the elements that I needed to be well and putting those into place. So yeah, when I got that medical and I didn't just get it to renew every year, I've got, you know, I can dive forever. I've got like a full full pardon as it were <laughs> and that that is amazing because you know you delve into it more in your book and and it's like right okay that's perseverance that's yeah i've got a goal I've, i found the fact that your body rejuvenates itself in that time frame and the fact that you improved the bits and bits of you that weren't working properly this is the thing about your mind. And, you know, there's going to be some people out there going a little bit, oh, it's a little bit woo-woo, yes. right? No, surely you can't do that. But actually, I'm hearing more and more and more stories and tales as I'm interviewing people of things that happen and you go, holy crap, it, is that really, really possible? And it is, and that's the madness of it. So there's so much our brain can do. And it's, it's crazy. Just to say, if you don't want it to be weird, if you want the science, the book that changed my life was called How Your Mind Can Heal Your Body by Dr. David Hamilton. And and yeah, he's he's a fully fledged doctor. He used to work in a, he was a biology lab. I think that's his kind of credentials and was totally miserable doing what he did and just decided to change his life, became a Hay House writer now. And his latest book is called Why Woo Works bit of a tongue twister, but yeah. it explains the science behind everything that people think is woo. By visualisation, 
I imagined a spider web going down my arm, you know, like a Spider-Man kind of web. But in the gym, my left side is stronger than my right now. So, you know, you have to try it yourself and you have to see that it works and you have to prove to yourself that these things work. You know, don't just take my word for it. Try something. And the eyesight thing, I've had other people say they've gone to the optician a year later. My optician said that the back of my eyes are so good, they're 10 years younger than I am. And he was this 25-year-old guy that kind of looked at me a bit funny. I said, oh, is there something wrong? He said, well, yeah, but it's a good thing. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, your mum, you know, you've got glaucoma and high blood pressure and cataracts in the history, you know, of the family. Your eyes should not look the way they, they're looking. They're younger than you are. I was like, oh, cool. Well, I've been doing this mantra and that, that was when I lost him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Youth of today, they just don't get it. <laughs> They'll get there eventually. Uh, I think actually more and more of them sort of, in, you know, taking it in, which is not a bad thing in that respect. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is a goal setting, goals do come true podcast, but there's some incredible goals that we've mentioned al- already. You know, the fact that from you'll never dive again to having your full license back, that is amazing for your eyesight improving for your arm being stronger than, you know, the other arm having been virtually useless. I mean, so how do you, I mean, you manifest, I guess, and also you have mantras, which is, you know, telling yourself stuff. What else do you use in your goal setting that is relatively straightforward to use or actually is the most impactful thing that you've come across? that we haven't discussed already, new stuff. New stuff, absolutely. Well, I think with goals, you have to be able to see it and feel it. And people do that differently. You know, I know you write a lot, you know, you write a lot of your goals down, don't you, from our conversations. I'm quite a visual person. So if I'm trying to, you know, if we're decorating a room and my husband says, it's going to be, you know, grey walls here and this is going to be, I can't see it. I can't see it in my mind. I have to see something. So if he shows me a picture and says, well, it's going to be kind of like this, you know, this bit here and I can piece it together. So vision boards for me are my thing. So quite often I will do a vision board. I usually do them for a year because I quite like every year kind of changing around my birthday, just sort of looking at, is that still fresh for me? And yeah, sometimes things happen in a really linear way. Other times, so my business partner put this pair of really high heeled sort of butterfly sparkly shoes on her vision board. They were sort of this reddy, pinky colour and she's got health conditions. She can't actually wear high heels anymore. So she was like, I don't know why, but I just wanted them. Anyway, well, over the years, as I was a speaker at the time, she wasn't really. I didn't know that. We did our first event and afterwards she said, oh, I've never done that before. I thought you were a speaker. She said, no, I never. No. <laughs> okay. But over the years, she's become known for her red shoes. So whenever we go to speak, she wears red shoes on the stage and she says things like, you know, well, hopefully what I've got to say is of use to you, but if not, you can look at my really nice shoes. So, so actually shoes have become her thing. So vision boards don't necessarily come true in the way that, you know, that you you want in not a linear obvious. Yeah. It's not obvious sometimes. No. Yeah. What is it? The universe gives you what you need, not what you want. So, yeah. <laughs> but I've always used that. So I always put this or better on a vision board because maybe you don't know, there could be something better out there for you that you haven't discovered yet. So I always put this or better on the top. I always put within one year because that I'll be happy when doesn't, re- you know, or one day. And I always put thank you on it. You know, thank you for all these amazing things that are on their way to me. And thank you for the life I already have. Because quite often I've noticed I've already got a tiny bit of the vision that I'm looking for. I might not have just noticed noticed it 
yet. Someone asked me this year about what I wanted. I said, all the elements are there. I just want to make them bigger, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. But when I left the coffee shop, I didn't want to be working in one place. I wanted a business to, that would work for, from anywhere. I wanted to work hours that suited me and I wanted to be able to be around my family and actually Discover Your Banks has delivered all of that. And it's only been this last, I got interviewed for a magazine a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it was only then that I realized all the things I wanted back when I closed that business, I now have all the, all the elements. So, so a vision board, yeah, it just is that you need to be able to look at it. You need those elements on it. And I get really excited about things. So sometimes I will just write something down. 20, I think it was 2015, I wrote, I am an international author and speaker. And I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I am now. <laughs> yes. And that and that's the other thing. You wrote it as if it had already happened. And that's that's one of the, my big things is like, you know, write there's so so many bits in my little notebook that I use to write my goals down that, you know, it's like what well, at the time. That was never, ever, ever, ever going to happen. There was the seeds. That's the point. And then I think that's it. There's the capability of something. And I like that. But I, I tell you what I love is the or better. I just love that because that makes everything, well, I mean, just every single goal, if you go or better on it, it's like who who knows where that could end up? Yeah. That's yeah, the crazy, crazy. You know, if you want a certain type of car, the company might be just about to release a, a better model, you know, an upgraded model. So if you say, I want a, you know, mini 1.6 Cooper, you know, Cooper S, whatever, there might be an S plus coming out and you don't know it. You know, I don't think there is an S plus, but you know, you get the thing. So we get the idea. No, no, we wish, don't. you know, we wish with what we know at the time and there, there could be more out there. So that all better. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely served me well. <laughs> no, I like that. So how many books have you written now? You personally, and then, then you've got your side business where you help people write their books. Is that right? Yeah. So I've written two solo books, two books with my business partner. And then I think it's another 12. I've written chapters in someone else's book, or it's a collaboration book where I've gathered authors together. So I think I'm up to it's either 16 or 17 and I have actually lost count because of the chapters. But I mean, the, the main books, Rescued by the Coast Guard and Tabby Turns the Tables, those are my two main books. Tabby Turns the Table is a fiction about someone who was unhappily married with two children, working in a bank, training to be an accountant and discovered she was a psychic. I, I don't know who I based it on. I've got no idea about that. Really? <laughs> really? Don't you see that person in the mirror on occasion? Maybe? Yes. Um, and both books are on Kindle for just 99p at the moment because of the article coming out. I decided to go crazy and reduce them. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That will get you best-selling author when that goes out. So that's good. Well, Amazon number one bestseller. That's, it might, that's actually, the way to do it, I think, apparently. Yeah. If I talk about it, I'm so busy launching other people's books because, yeah, other people's books, I think we're up to 17 this month. So yeah, not only did I become a, an author and speaker, but then one of my clients said, would I publish her book? I said no originally. And she said, well, what do you, you've published yours. Why can't you publish mine? And she was, she was quite persistent, said she would wait. And so we did that. And then over lockdown, obviously more people, I think last year, 200 million books were sold last year because people have, are writing books and reading more. Yeah, it's a good time to be in publishing. I just love it. 
Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you don't mind me just spending a few moments to tell you about my new book. I'm very excited. It's called Think Simple, Win Big, How to Build the Business of Your Dreams with a Few Simple Goals. And it's a rewrite of my original book, Goals Do Come True. And it's especially available for entrepreneurs, either new entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who want to get the fundamentals right with their business. So if you are interested in getting your hands on a copy, go to my website, www.dougbennett.co.uk. Anyway, let's go back to the podcast. No, that's good. When people say to me, Doug, would you like to? At that point, I say yes, because I don't know what's coming, but, you know, why not? Yeah. You can load yourself up with stuff, but, you know, I think there's so many exciting opportunities out there that, you know, people say to me, would you like to? It's like, yeah. Now what? What what is it you, you would like me to do? Like to write in a book or would you like to bungee jump? You know, sometimes I might be a bit scared about that. I haven't bungee jumped yet, but, you know, most people that we mix ourselves with probably aren't as exciting as we are. Is that fair to say? You know. I say yes to a lot of things, but it is funny that when things are really big, when things are a really big part of my life, I sometimes say no. So when I trained in Reiki, I did Reiki 1 and 2, which is so that you can you know, do Reiki treatments for other people. Reiki three is to be able to teach it. And I did one and I did two and I had, I was working within a holistic therapy center and and one of my colleagues said to me, oh, when are you doing Reiki three? I would love to learn Reiki from you. And I said, oh no, I'm not doing Reiki three. You know, I won't be doing that. And she said, oh, it's okay. I'll wait. And that really stuck. And I was like, well, we've been waiting a long time. Here's, here's my, here's the person I learned from. This is, you know, this is Jonathan. You need to go and talk to him. She said, no, 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 I'll wait. Sure enough, after a while, he got back in touch and said there was someone else doing Reiki 3 and there was a space. Did I want to do it? And it was so far down the line that actually for me, it was, it was the right time. And, and that allowed me to learn how to teach, which has served me so well over the years. So sometimes I find we were in Chamonix and all it was, we were skiing. All of our party were doing paragliding. So they were running off of the mountain next to Mont Blanc with this little piece of, I don't know, silk. pancreate silk, it seemed like, <laughs> over their head. And I just said, no, I'm not doing that. Now, I did have a fear of heights that I was overcoming with skiing. I'd already had some hypnotherapy, but it just felt too big. And it was just a, it was just a flat no. And that morning, my husband said, if you want to come, you are more than welcome, but I'm not going to ask you again. And it was just thinking about, when they've done what they need to do and they all come back down, they're going to be all excited and buzzing and happy about it. And I know Phil won't do it again. He, you know, he does things once and then he's on to the next thing. So knew there wouldn't be another opportunity. It couldn't go the next day because he'd be like, oh, I've done that. So it's like, am I going to have that fear of missing out? Because sometimes we have the joy of missing out, don't we? No, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> but I knew I was going to have the fear of missing out. I knew I would wish I'd done it. So I did it. And it was the most incredible feeling and I no longer have a fear of heights. I think in that moment, I was like, if you can run off a mountain, you know, with an instructor and this piece of, I'm sure you said silk, but it felt like paper, you know, then, then I think I'm over my fear of heights at that point. But yeah, it's, it's really funny. I say yes to a lot of things, but when it's a really big part of my journey and it's sort of pivotal, I tend to say no first. And 
people say, well, I'll wait then. <laughs> just re- So if someone says, I'll wait, I know. I'm like, oh, this is a really big thing, right? I need to get go and think about this. Yeah, I need to, yeah. I need to be embracing this because obviously they can see something more in me than I can see it in myself at that point. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's important as well for people. Okay, well, that's cool. I like that. Now, Reiki, that's a bit woo-woo, isn't it? I've got, it's like waving hands over you. And somebody was saying, oh, we can do distance Reiki. And I'm going, what, really? Okay, so explain for a Neanderthal right, what Reiki is. So I'll go back a little way. So when my daughter was a baby, if she was teething or she'd hurt herself or she wasn't very well, I would always imagine white light coming out of my hands, making her feel better. I just did that when she was little. And I remember my dad, when I was younger, if I ever had an exam or, you know, when I got married, he used to take my hand and say, take some of my strength, Nikki. Always did that. If you ask my dad how he is, he always says, brilliant. He's 83. Brilliant. How are you? You know, amazing guy. I did all this spiritual stuff and then realised that my dad had it nailed, really. So I always used to do this white light thing. And someone said to me years ago, you know, well, well, you've got, you must have healing hands then. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And then... I went to Ibiza on holiday with the kids. This lady sat next to me with her two children. She'd taken her kids away on her own for the first time. She's a single mum, a little bit terrified being on her own. So I was showing her where the kids club was and, you know, how to get a coffee and all this sort of stuff. Cause we've been there a few days, you know, you feel like really nonchalant cause you've, you're, you know, you've been there, you know, that, you know, the deal. And we got chatting and I said, you know, what, what do you do? We do that. Don't you? What do you do? Mm. Very British. And she said, I'm a Reiki master. And I said, I have no idea what that is. Reiki is a Japanese healing art and philosophy. So there are Japanese Buddhists and Reiki, Dr. Asui, so say got the symbols from Reiki and was able to heal with his hands from then on. So the idea is you channel the energy of the universe. So source, universal energy, whatever you want to call it, comes through you to the person. So it isn't you that does the healing. You are, you're just directing where the energy goes. And when you do distant Reiki, you tune into the person. I sometimes say their higher self and you kind of get permission. Or some, someone might say to you over the phone, oh, I've got this really bad back. And you say, would you like me to send you some Reiki? And they say, yes, please. But if they don't say yes, please, you, you kind of have to check and you have to mm-hmm. sort of highest good, highest good of all kind of thing. You're not yeah. trying to manipulate anyone you know, feel better so you can go into work and give me a pay rise. That doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. experience. Not that I would try that. But to do distant Reiki, there's, there are symbols that you learned and they used to be secret before the internet, but obviously the internet doesn't keep anything secret. So now you can, anyone can find the symbols, but you, there's a series of, you know, a system of using these symbols to connect with that person and then send the healing and it works on mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, physical things. I've, my dad's had migraines and I've got rid of migraines. He thought it was brilliant. Yeah. If people are struggling if, or if they want some confidence, you can actually set, set Reiki up for three o'clock on a Friday afternoon when someone has an interview. You know, you can be that specific with it. There are so many ways, but Reiki one and Reiki three, the Reiki that comes through is the same. People say that, you know, as you do more Reiki, you get more powerful. I, I disagree. I think energy is energy and you just learn more, more tools and more ways of using it. But yeah, I've used it myself. I I use it most days on myself. I don't actually practice Reiki. I don't teach Reiki anymore because of 
Discovery of Banks has kind of taken a life of its own, I would say, but it is, it is amazing. I still do. Yeah. If ever I hurt myself or if ever someone says, oh, I've, you know, whatever, then Reiki is the first thing I offer. Wow. I need to Google it. Not that, so that I can use it for myself, but, you know, to, to just have a, bit, a greater understanding. And and I'm sure there's people out there and it's like, well, well it's again, back to the woo-woo, you know. Yeah. You know, again, people in hot, Reiki is being given in hospitals now. So, you know, it's, it has come. Almost at last, really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because if nothing else, it gives the body the energy so that it can heal itself. That's, that's what I think. I think we are all able to heal ourselves. You know, I'm not saying it works all the time because, you know, there are things that I haven't. It can't do. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, fr- you know, frustrates me. I still can't tell my left from my right. I'm sure. <laughs> you know. <laughs> there are worse things to worry about. Okay. No. So that I like that. Have a look at that sort of thing. Now, is there, I'm going to ask, because we've drifted a little way away from goals and goal setting, but I'm going to ask for a, a Nikki Marshall nugget about goals and goal setting that we haven't touched on before that the whole world needs to know. It's going to make a difference to their lives. Wow. Gosh, that's a big one, Doug. Seeing life as an adventure allows you to be very playful with the things that you want to get. Because we get so, whenever I get serious, life, the goals don't come. You know, the goals that have come to me are those ones that I thought were impossible. But when I was in that, that sort of playful, oh, wouldn't that be amazing if that happened? So another example, I was given a bracelet. I can't, you won't be able to see it on here, but, but my husband bought this bracelet for me and it's got rocks on it and horses for healing and arrows for direction and bears for strength. It was made by, you know, an American Indian. He brought it home. Just incredible. I looked at these rocks. Oh, I don't know what those are. And someone said, oh, those are red rocks from Sedona. Like, Where is that? Arizona. Cool. They said, you're going to go there. I said, oh, I don't think so. I think, you know, I just moved in with Phil at the time. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. We just started, you know, living together. I had two girls, he had two boys, still trying to organise, very busy life, cats, all this stuff. And one day this conference came up in, in Phoenix in Arizona, which was near Sedona. He said, you should go. A million reasons why not. Again, no. <laughs> um, he said, I'll look after the kids. I said, right, okay, how am I going to fund it? He said, have you got a credit card? Now he is Mr. Sensible. Like he would never put a holiday on a credit card. Have you got a credit card? Why don't you put it on a credit card? I'm like, so I booked it. Two things I was afraid of were losing my suitcase and missing my connecting flight. Both happened. I survived. It was okay. And as I stood in Sedona, having the most amazing experience, I said, I'm going to bring people here. I'm going to bring people here on retreat. And then you know that you give it about three seconds and there's that other voice, mm-hmm. like negative Nikki was on my shoulder going, got a shit sense of direction. You don't know anyone who'd want to come. Who'd want to come to Sedona anyway? No one really knows what this place is about. You know, you've never run retreats. What a million questions. And I just thought, going to do it. The next year I took a friend and retreated her as a practice. And the following year I took six people out to Sedona. I think it was eight the, the following year and just did that for a while. So I think the more impossible you think something is, if you're in that playful energy, the more likely you are to actually make it happen. And there, that's why... I save that question. I don't give them a clue that it's coming because we always get something amazing. Be playful. That's the thing, you know, 
Life is for living and loving and, and enjoying and adventure. And I think that's the only way to live life. I think, you know, in the last few years, we've had so many changes and you can look at all the things that we haven't been able to do. And, you know, or you can look at the things that you thought were important at the time, you know, family, getting outside in nature. You know, I don't think people really missed their Porsche, to be honest. I think it was more about the, you know, the sort of touchy feely stuff. And actually all the technology has changed. The world is this big jumble at the moment and you could get onto the negative of, you know, we're all doomed. There are a lot of people saying that right now. Or you could go, well, what an exciting time to grab the elements that I love and see if I can do more of those. And that's definitely what I'm looking at at the moment is what can I do more of? And so, you know, I've put together a new a new keynote and I haven't written it completely yet, but I got the opportunity to speak to a group of uh, accountants in, in Africa next week. And I said, yes. And still, yeah, I've got this new keynote, gave them the title and then in this presentation, you will learn X, Y, and Z. And I'm just going to put it out there and see what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you going or is it is it Zoomy? Sadly, it's Zoomy, but oh, you know, well. never uh, mind. That, right, yeah, but then, then they'll want the real engine. They'll invite you over for next year. Yeah. When, when we're allowed to go. That, and that's the that's the thing about it. Well, no, that's that that's really really cool. Now, how can people get hold of you? What you know, what can you do for people, and how can they get hold of you? So, we have a website which is discoveryourbounce.com, and it's got all the personal well-being, corporate well-being, and publishing all in one place. It's all color coded, so you can tell which bit you're on. Which our designer was quite clever. I thought the coloring in department did a good job. LinkedIn and there we have two communities on Facebook. There's Discover Your Bounce community if you like well-being, positivity kind of stuff, and Bouncy Books if you like if you're a book lover and you want to talk about books. As I say, the books are on Kindle, but if you Google Nicky Marshall author, I think there is a Nicky Marshall football player, but I I think I'm the only author on Amazon. So so yeah, have a <laughs> have a hunt down, spend two quid, help yeah. Nicky hit the number one bestseller thing. The book is rescued by the Coast Guard. Rescued by the Coast Guard, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really really cool. It's it's a it's a good good story. So well, no, it's not a story. It's a good tale. No, yeah. it's a good it's a good section of Nikki's life that we can all learn from. Yeah, I think we can call it an autobiography. I think. Yes, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there's real youngsters that have got autobiographies and they've not done anything yet. So that's the answer. Nikki, we'll make sure that all of those bits and pieces are contained in the show notes. It's been a pleasure catching up with you again. It was like, I don't know, two or three months ago that we, we bumped into each other, looked at, and you know, went through this conference and yeah, it was, it was cool. And, and, and it's been tough getting hold of you. So I appreciate, I appreciate it, but you know, you, you sort of, I think you gave me the, oh, I'll wait. No, I gave you, I'll wait. Yeah. Cause I was prepared to wait. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't fit in. Good eye in May. Oh, yeah. wait. Yeah. Oh, wait. So there awesome. you go. You see, she's got this incredible power. Nikki, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, pleasure, Doug. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to review and subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify. I'd love to hear about your goals. You can share them with me at dougbennett.co.uk. 